Know your rights. Know the law. The Law Report with Michael Matuening Bill. Welcome back, Afropolitans. Uh, my name is Cassie Tolle, and as I mentioned earlier on, we are talking in particular about matters relating to the Chief Justice and his utterances that have led a lot of people to say perhaps this is something that he should or shouldn't have said. So I'd like to start with a person who actually penned an article that was published in today's business day, and this is Lawson Naidu, who is the executive secretary of the Council for the Advancement of the Sahian Constitution. And based on that article, the, um, the, the, the council seems to have taken a very strong opinion against the Chief Justice's utterances, even going as far as to say, look, if the Chief Justice is going to insist on maintaining the type of religious posturing that he is taking on, then perhaps he should consider vacating the bench. I don't know if that's um, an ample um, summarization of what Cassidy um, said. But Lawson, just tell us about what motivated you to issue the article. Well, uh, Kaya, thank you very much, firstly. Uh, you know, I think it's, uh, these issues that have come to the fore as a result of the uh, Chief Justice's comments uh, with regards to the uh, Palestinian issue that have uh, brought to uh, you know, pu- uh, public attention the, the issue of the, uh, the, the realm and the role of the uh, judiciary in South Africa and the role of the Chief Justice in particular. And, uh, you know, the, the point I, I sought to make in the article today was that beyond the issue of the, uh, the comments that he's made and the uh, uh, transgression, uh, in my opinion, that has been uh, committed by him by straying into the political arena in a very sensitive issue, as you rightly say, a, a sensitive uh, geopolitical issue uh, that is preoccupying much of the world, particularly at this time as Israel is on the cusp of annexing uh, further Palestinian land that it was totally inappropriate for the uh, Chief Justice to uh, to venture into the political terrain and to, and to publicly uh, contradict government's uh, policy on uh, on Israel and Palestine. This is something that, ex- that uh, lies pra- uh, exclusively within the domain of the executive, the government, and for uh, a senior uh, a judicial officer to openly criticize the, uh, the government's policy, I think was, uh, was a step too far. And uh, the Chief Justice needs to, uh, you know, uh, be called to account for that. Thanks, Lawson. I mean, I think we need to be able to distinguish between two variables here. I think, firstly, of course, the question is, it did deal with perhaps the most delicate geopolitical issue of modern times. But then the question that I want to pose is, had the Chief Justice spoken about perhaps any other issue that perhaps doesn't inflame tensions as much as the question of Israel in particular, would you still have maintained the same view of saying that the executive domain? Yeah, one is not suggesting that the Chief Justice uh, is not allowed to speak uh, on, on, on issues in, in the public domain. I think it's, it's an accepted practice that uh, judicial officers speak, uh, lawyers speak on issues around uh, constitutional issues, around legal issues of, uh, you know, of public importance, and sometimes those have uh, political ramifications. But in this instance, this was an issue that uh, you know, had primary, primarily political ramifications rather than legal ones and the, you know the chief justice uh, sought to use uh, you know a, a religious text to to support his uh, his position uh, and you know that that raises another problem within the secular uh, society such as we have in South Africa is for the uh, the chief justice to seek to uh, you know to uh, uh, to to push his uh, his own um, uh, brand of Christianity religious views into, into, 
into the uh, uh, the chief justice into the uh, into the public domain uh, that is something that uh, you know i don't think is acceptable first and foremost he is the head of the judiciary in south africa occupying a, an incredibly important uh, constitutional role as the chief justice and the head of the judiciary and uh, that office comes comes with uh, you know with, with with deep responsibilities that he has to uh, has to uphold and respect Thank you, Lawson. Nicole, I mean, you are the CEO of Freedom Under Law, and matters of this nature are obviously matters in which you keep and maintain a very active interest. What was the Freedom Under Law's reaction to the video in particular that we saw of the Chief Justice and how he actually acquitted himself during that conversation with the Chief Rabbi of South Africa, of South Africa Dr. Warren Goldstein? Oh, good evening, Kaya. Thank you to, to you, and, and good evening to your listeners. And, you know, we we are concerned at the the, the statements that were made. Um, I think, as, as Lawson has already pointed out, and um, the Chief Justice obviously occupies an enormously important role within our constitutional democracy. He is the head of our judiciary, constituting one of the three arms of government, and as such, he occupies a role very different from an ordinary citizen. Um, it's not. Uh, it's not for him simply to slip in and out of his official role. Um, in the public domain, uh, as, as a judge, and particularly as the head of the, the judiciary, he is, is obligated uh, to ensure uh, the integrity and the independence of the judiciary. Now, that is not to say, and again, as Lawson has said, that judges shouldn't speak out on, on particular matters. They, they're authorities on law, and I think they should be encouraged to to make their expertise known in respect of matters that pertain to legal subjects or administration of, of, of justice or the judiciary. But that was not the case in this particular instance. He, he strayed into uh, the political domain, controversial topic. It may be, in fact, that this is an issue in which he will have to adjudicate upon, pronounce upon. Uh, we had a recent case uh, relating to the Sadiq Tribunal, which you know, put South Africa's uh, foreign policy front and, pen, uh, front and center and required the court to, to adjudicate uh, thereon. Um, and, and obviously, we, we don't want judges speaking about issues that they may be required to, to, to make determinations on, um, which then raise the, the apprehension that uh, there is bias or a reasonable, a reasonable apprehension that there may be bias on, on their part. So uh, we, you know, we're of the position that, that these comments that were made are of concern, that they went beyond what is required of the, what sh- we should see judicial officers, how they should comport themselves in public. I think, Nicole, the big tension point is going to be the question of where exactly lies the line between what we might refer to as political and judicial terrain. And I want to obviously interrogate that a bit further. But at this stage, I'd like to bring in advocate Mark Oppenheimer, who's a practicing advocate of the Chinese Bar. And of course, him being a lawyer is a person who's used to managing conflicts and tensions on a daily basis. Mark, I mean, what are your first reactions when you then saw what then became a very viral video around what the Chief Justice was saying in that conversation with the Chief Rabbi of South Africa? Well, our starting point must be to look at the law itself and to ask ourselves what um, obligations does the Chief Justice have? And that's spelled out in the Code of Judicial Conduct. So I'm going to read out a few sections of that code, which I think will be very useful for determining whether there has been uh, a breach of the code or not. So 
So firstly, the code says that a judge may be involved in extrajudicial activities, including those embodied in their rights as citizens, if such activities are not incompatible with the confidence in or the impartiality or the independence of the judge. Then it says a judge must not belong to any political party or secret organization, and unless it is necessary for the discharge of judicial office, become involved in any political controversy or activity. So this gives us some idea of you know, what the framework is. So first of all, we know that um, judges do have the rights that citizens have, like rights to freedom of speech and freedom of religion, but that there are some constraints. So we know that this restriction on being involved in a political party. Now, the key term here that I think we've got to consider is being involved in any political controversy. Now, I think one way of determining what that term means is to have a look at other things that were said um, during that um, that discussion of the Jerusalem Post. Now, the conversation starts off um, with a discussion about the killing of George Floyd, um, and the Chief Justice is asked to comment on that. And this is a you know a matter that is clearly very controversial. You know, it's a very controversial issue, um, what is happening in America, and the Chief Justice um, says that. You know, the United States of America has failed in their implementation of their constitution and that they're paying near lip service to human lives and equality. He then asked about what his views are on the tearing down of statues um, in America. A number of statues have been torn down and um, the editor-in-chief of the Jerusalem Post expresses a concern that this amounts to an erasure of history. And the chief director says the following, I wouldn't be critical of those that were tearing down statues that are representative of the evil past. But I would say that what the message that the protest and the tearing down of those statues communicates is this, that we have failed as leaders. And then he talks about how we need to, as a society, try and eradicate racism. And he goes on to quote the Bible when discussing this point. He quotes Matthew uh, um, 5.44, which says, But I say unto you, love your enemies, bless them that curse you, do good to them that hate you, and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Okay, so we have the use of a religious text um, talking about a controversial issue. But I note that Catholic had said nothing about this. And there's no complaint from uh, the BDS movement or from the ANC about the Chief Justices opining on a controversial issue. Now, this is because I think there is a distinction between a controversial issue, like um, the demonstrations that are going on in America and like the question of destruction of statues, and a political controversy. So... Given that the section in the code specifically talks about political parties, and we know that political parties often have their disputes heard in court, there's good reason to think that those being involved in political controversy would be something like um, a battle between, let's say, the two leaders of, of COPE um, when they were fighting with each other. If the Chief Justice weighed in and said, well, I think Monsieur Lacorte should be the, you know, the leader of this party over um, you know, his competitor, we would think that that would be vastly inappropriate. We then, I think, have to think about what other judges have said about Israel um, and then actually look at the words used by the Chief Justice at this point. So I'll start with something that was said by Justice Edwin Cameron in 2015. So he was a sitting judge um, at the time of the Constitutional Court. And he said, a just resolution in Israel-Palestine is one of the preeminent moral challenges, not just for those who support Israel, but for the world at large. We must live together in this world with all of its caprice and hatred and cruel unpredictability, and our claims of it for ourselves must not contribute to its caprice and hatred unpredictably. Now, no complaint was laid against Justice Cameron when he said this. So we know that, in other words, judges have spoken about Israel in the past. Now, what does the Chief Justice actually say? Um, well, he says, I love the Jews, I love Israel, 
I love Palestine. I love the Palestinians. I love everybody. And then he says, um, I cannot as a Christian do anything other than love and pray for Israel because, I'm, because I know hatred for Israel by me and for my nation can attract uh, unprecedented curses upon our nation. So what do I think should happen? I think as a citizen of this great country that we are denying ourselves a wonderful opportunity of being a game changer in Israeli-Palestinian situation. We know what it means to be at loggerheads, to be a nation at war with itself. And therefore the forgiveness that was demonstrated, the understanding, the big heart that was displayed by President Nelson Mandela, and we the people of South Africa following his leadership, is an asset that we must use it, and that around the world to bring about peace where there is no peace, to mediate effectively based on our rich experience. So he hasn't picked sides. He's made it quite clear that he thinks that you know, he loves Palestine, he loves Israel, he thinks that South Africa's got a, you know, a rich history that it can draw upon to help resolve conflict. It's very much in line with what was said by Justice Cameron. So, you know, Nicole's concerned that that a party couldn't get justice um, in a hearing before McLean, I think is inaccurate. Uh, it's not clear that he's tipped his hat in favor of one party to the other. There's no sense of a bias. Um, and on the question of government policy, he specifically starts off by saying that he is bound by government policy. Um, and he's not really saying anything in contradiction of it, besides this notion that you know, this is a, a long-standing conflict and uh, maybe we could have something to offer on it. All right. Thank you very much for those insights, uh, Mark. And I think obviously it's going to be the point, the question, the issues that we're going to deliberate on, uh, particularly given what your understanding of what the issues are and what the lack of risk is, if I may call it is. But we'd like to take a short ad break before we come back and speak to our three guests on this big issue of the Chief Justice and his views on Israel and Palestine. The Law Report. With Michael Matwening Bell, Kaya FM 95.9. Welcome back, Afropolitans. My name is Classy Tola, sitting in for Michael this evening, and this is indeed the Law Report. We are talking about a very delicate matter today, and this is the matter relating to the Chief Justice and his public utterances, which have drawn condemnation and praise from different circles. And of course, we'd like to hear your views about whether you feel that the Chief Justice went a bit too far, or whether you believe that perhaps the freedom of expression is an entitlement that we all share, so him owning the robe of the Chief Justice shouldn't actually prevent him from saying the type of things that he's saying. We also know that religion tends to be a very personal matter for a lot of us and the CJ himself included in that and of course we know that he also holds his religious beliefs very dear he does practice as a pastor so of course it shouldn't have surprised us that he holds very dear religious beliefs but in the context of the position that he holds do you feel that he perhaps should not or should have said the things that he said so please do feel free to call us we're on 86 and you can even tweet us at kfm95.9 or you can tweet me directly at Karuska Kaya to share your views on whether you think perhaps some of the um, the reactions to the Chief Justice's uh, uh, utterances have been overboard or indeed measured. I do have on the conversation three individuals who are able to uh, give me some interesting insights into what they think. And we have Lawson Naidu, who represents CASAC. He is the executive secretary then. We've got Nicole Fritz, who is the CEO of Freedom Under Law. And also, just before the break, we heard from advocate Mark Oppenheimer, who's a practicing advocate at the Chinese Bepan. Now, my three guests said their initial inputs, and of course, the summary of that is that from Mark's view, the obligations and the duties of Chief Justice have not been transgressed in this part because in Mark's opinion, he said he loves the Jews and he loves the Palestinians, so perhaps the issue isn't as great as what we've made it out to be. And I think Nicole and Lawson's views 
there was perhaps the, 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 the Chief Justice of the region. Now, Nicole, I want to put something to you in that I want to ask, and I think a lot of listeners will be curious about that, what exactly is the risk here? Because I'm thinking here, well, if a matter relating to this question may find its way into the Supreme Court or even the Constitutional Court itself, what you might find is, is what you might find is that, you know, even in the Constitutional Court, if a matter relating to this would even be ventilated then, there are 11 constitutional court justices and the quorum is eight. So perhaps you could simply say a recusal will be sufficient. Does that not then mitigate the risk around the issues that perhaps one of the justices of the constitutional court may hold particular views? Um, so I, I want to just respond to, to Mark. I think, you know, first, I think he's been slightly disingenuous in terms of his capturing of what the chief justice said. I mean, what he admits to mention is that the Chief Justice goes on to decry what he essentially is holding out in South Africa's condemnation of, of Israel and draws a comparison with the fact that he sees silence from South Africa in its condemnation of states that have colonialized, to have, have, you know, been responsible for colonialism in, in South Africa, whereas Israel is drawing all the fire from South Africa when it has, you know, its actions have never amounted to that. And that is a very different comment from Justice Edwin Cameron's uh, comment, which is that he would hope for a just and equitable resolution to the to the conflict in Israel and Palestine. Um, and 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 the issue is that it, you know the policy, foreign policy, is an exercise of uh, of public power, um, and and the implementation thereof is, is that too. And so I'd be su- I'm surprised that Mark as an advocate would, would suggest that that is not a potential topic that comes that comes before the court. And yes, I mean, as you say, one of the ways to remedy that is to to seek the, the recusal. Um, but, you know, in a court like the Constitutional Court, for instance, it, it's a requirement that a number of judges, you know, constitute quorum and here, they're very disruptive to actually have I mean, we don't want as a remedy that that, we, that judges have to recuse themselves from matters. What we want is that judges conduct themselves in in, in a manner which is consistent with the with the, the integrity and independence of their office and and the judicial ethics, and that they they don't comment on on matters such as such as this. Um, certainly not when it is not a matter that they are being called upon to adjudicate on. All right, Nicole Lawson, I'd like to pose the same question to you. I mean, at the end of the day, we've got 11 constitutional court justices. The quorum is eight. And if Chief Justice Mohoeng Mohoeng ever has to be in a position where a matter of this nature has to be heard before the court, a recusal, a simple recusal will simply deal with the conflict. Is that not the type of, you know, um, leeway that you can, you're willing to give to the Chief Justice to say, well, what's the worst that could happen? Uh, I'm a, sorry, Kaya, I, I missed part of that question. Sorry, uh, could you repeat it? So I'm raising the same question to you to say, look, in the Constitutional Court, let's say the worst does come to fruition and a matter relating to this type of conflict does come before the court. There are 11 Constitutional Court justices. The quorum is eight. The Chief Justice can is it, sit out this matter. Is that not the type of leeway or the latitude you're willing to give to the Chief Justice to say, well, actually, you may speak up, but just make sure that should a matter relating to what you've spoken about before is not a matter that you get to adjudicate on? 
Well, what happens then, Kai, if other justices of the Constitutional Court then take it upon themselves to uh, to air their views on, on such matters publicly? And then, we, you know, we're going to have a situation where several judges may have to recuse themselves. So I don't think that, that, that you know, that, that's a solution to this issue. But beyond what uh, Nicole has, has said, which is dealt with part of it, but I want to, you know, go to the other uh, issue, which is uh, the, the Chief Justice, you know, crossing the, the, the boundary into into uh, clear areas of exclusive executive jurisdiction. And given the separation of powers uh, within our Constitution, that it was, you know, uh, there's no justification for the Chief Justice to speak about uh, uh, a foreign policy issue like this and to publicly disagree with government's position on that, which, as uh, Nicole has pointed out, uh, you know, Mark conveniently failed to, to, to mention in his uh, uh, in his comments earlier, so I think for me that that's a, that's a critical point, and you know it's it's very different uh, from the kind of position that Justice Cameron had put forward, uh, using very te- you know tempered language, whereas you know the Chief Justice, uh, you know I think was uh, w- was not as uh, dispassionate in his. Uh, uh, in his explanation of his position. So I think there are some fundamental differences there. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, the question of recusal uh, is not one that should, uh, that should arise in this case. It, it's, a, it's, a, it's a clear matter for me that it's a terrain that the Chief Justice should never have entered and that it is now incumbent upon him to retract those comments and to apologize. Mark, I think, you know, perhaps the one tension for me that remains unresolved is had this been, you know, a run-of-the-mill matter around the question of whether, I don't know, uh, the United States should have um, more than two parties contesting their general election, for example, and I'm being as facetious as I can be here. Do you think then that perhaps the reactions would have been on the same level as when the Chief Justice decided to engage on what we all acknowledge is perhaps the most difficult and the most intractable, um, you know, issue of modern times? the question of the Israel and the Palestinian conflict. Now, if somebody had said the Chief Justice was just talking about, you know, a matter that doesn't inflame opinions as much as this matter does, would you still maintain the same position of saying, well, he didn't break any judicial code of conduct? I mean, you've heard what Nicole and Lawson are saying in that this is not only just the Chief Justice going far beyond what he's supposed to do, but he's gone and targeted what we all know is perhaps the most difficult issue. The government is taking a particular position and you're now seeing that one of the three arms of state is now expressly, um, you know, uh, putting an opinion that is against what the, what the government has said. One doesn't agree with the government, but that is the position of South Africa as the state. What's your response to that? Well, firstly, I think I should respond to what's said by uh, Nicole and Lawson about what the Chief Justice says on, on this question, whether he's disagreeing with government policy. And uh, he starts off by saying that he's bound by government policy. He then does talk about South Africa's relationship with um, its former uh, colonizers. He says South Africa keeps up colonial ties uh, with those colonizers. And then he says, maybe we should be reflecting, he says, on, on our relationship um, with Israel. He says, we've got, to take, we've got to reflect, take a deep breath, and adopt the principled stance. That's all he says. He doesn't say the government's policy of disassociating from Israel is unconscionable and how dare the government do this and their policy is wrong and I will disobey it. You know, no such thing at all. All he says is we should take a, a deep breath and reflect. Now, that hardly strikes me as controversial. Now, I think, as I point out, there's something disingenuous going on here where if the claim is judges can't wade in on things that are controversial, 
Well, I just gave an example of something that's deeply controversial that um, no one has taken issue with. He's talking about you know, the killing of George Floyd. He's talking about racism in America, and he's done so freely. Um, now, someone could surely imagine a situation in which such a conflict, uh, some American company could wind up before the Chief Justice and say, well, I take umbrage to your expressions about America, but no such complaint has been made. So, again, the code gives us some other guidance. And it says, judges do not pay heed to political parties or pressure groups and perform all professional duties free from outside influence. Now, that gives us an indication of what the Chief Justice ought to be doing, which is uh, not to pay heed to the pressure brought to bear by the BDS movement and by the ANC. Um, the judge's obligation is to ignore it. Um, because really, if we look at the nature of what is said, it is very much in line with what we expect of judges which is to uh, observe the audio ultra impartial rule, which is to hear both sides, to remain impartial, to wait for all the evidence to come in. And this is exactly what he's imploring uh, us to do on the Israel-Palestine question, not to pick sides, not to take a particular position, but to say, let's take a breath, let's calmly adjudicate yeah. this matter, and that's very much in line with the role of a judge. So, uh, Mark, Mark, I, I, I just want to come in here. Uh, Mark, I think, you know, what, what it sounds like you sort of are putting this... Um, um, you, you, you're giving the Chief Justice the uh, license to exercise this plausible deniability. So just because he opens up his statement by saying, I love the Jews, but I also love the Palestinians, I do this and I also do that, means that, you know, he, he has reached some balance in, in, in his discourse. But I still think that the key issue that a lot of people are deliberating on is that a person who expresses an opinion one way or another on the Israel-Palestinian situation is a person who's definitely going into the type of political terrain that creates the type of tensions that people are now fighting against to say, look, everybody's got a view, everybody's got a particular position on this, but we've decided that we must be bound by what the state's position is on this matter. And you being the Chief Justice is a person who's got a significant influence on what the, you know, the judiciary at large does. So this is now going to create particularly um, anxieties for even the BDS movement, which is still free to go and put matters before the courts. But if the BDS movement comes to us tomorrow and say, well, we're not going to put any matters before the courts because, you know, the head of the judiciary has already taken a particular position, does that not then give validation to the type of anxieties that are being expressed by Lawson and Nicole? Well, actually, that's an interesting point that you raise. So um, the editor of the Jerusalem Post asks him to reflect on the BDS movement, and he refrains. He says, look, I, I can only talk um, abstractly, and I'm not going to make any statements about BDS. So that shows the sense of impartiality. You know, he doesn't... If we, we don't have a situation where the Chief Justice has picked a side in this um, Israeli-Palestinian conflict. Now, I think you might have cause for complaint if he'd said, you know... Um, what country A is doing is, is uh, 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 beyond the pale and we should condemn them, you know, um, or I think that, you know, um, there's no expression of a particular view. The only view here is South Africa has some um, rich knowledge to help in resolving disputes. Um, I Mark, I think some people would say a statement that says I love the Palestinians doesn't carry the same weight as the one that says I love the Jews and then cites particular scripture that then, you know, supports the fact that he feels that as a Christian, he's got a duty of some kind in order to ensure that he respects whatever Israel is getting up to. And I think for me, that's really where the tension point came in. As I said, the plausible deniability issue, which is the same, he said he loves the Jews as much as he loves the Palestinians, doesn't, you know, stand up to scrutiny 
scrutiny when you then say, but in relation to his support for the Israel question or the Jewish state, he then says, well, here's a scripture to back me up. Because again, I feel that that gave more weight to the issue of saying, I love the Jews, rather than it saying, I love the Palestinians equally. That was my understanding of it. What's your view on that? Well, he says, I'm in an obligation to pray for the peace of Israel. So what's the, and and as I say, he cites scripture when he's talking about racism, about loving your enemy, you know, um, and doing good to them that hate you. You know, these things are, you know, it's a sort of particular weight. I mean, I think we should be concerned about if, if as Chief Justice, if he wrote a judgment where he said, I'm not going to use the Constitution, I'm going to rely on biblical authority, we would then have a concern that there was a breach of a separation between church and state. We don't have such a situation. What you have is someone drawing on, you know, their set of moral principles to express um, a rather banal view, which is that let's listen to both sides and let's pray for peace. You know, that's hardly, you know, what's, what's the controversy in that? You know, that's what I, I find difficult to sort of understand. If he'd picked a side or made it very clear that you know, if any dispute where one of these parties comes before me, I'm telling which way I'm going, then we'd have a concern. I don't think we have that. What we have is that the BDS movement thinks that any kind of even handedness on Israel is controversial. In other words, their view is you should condemn Israel as an apartheid state. And to anyone who says otherwise, it says something controversial. But that doesn't make it controversial. As I say, when you read the code, you know, we get a sense that we're talking about a narrow kind of political controversy, you know, which in context looks like it refers to political party controversies. And the Chief Justice has spoken on a number of controversial issues over time. He's spoken about the need to resolve the land issue. You know, this is the most uh, controversial issue in South Africa. He said that we need to, you know, um, take on transformation. You know, as an important value in South Africa, again, a controversial issue. And there have been no complaints from DDS or the ANC or CASAC on this front. So either they are playing a disingenuous game, which is to pick issues that they don't like and be quiet about the others, um, or we just have to accept that there are a range of things that are controversial that judges are entitled to speak about and that the list is narrow that they're not allowed to speak about. <laughs> Is Mark downplaying what the issue is? Uh, he's just cited that, you know, in other instances where the Chief Justice has actually expressed an opinion, perhaps a condemnation hasn't been as explicit and hasn't been as grave. I know in particular, I sat in on the Judicial Service Commission hearings uh, a few years ago where the Chief Justice went off on a tangent against David Unterhalter and went on about, you know, how the well-funded NGOs do not go and support issues of transformation. And for us sitting in the room, we felt that the uh, Chief Justice was out of order, but we didn't see the type of condemnation that we're seeing here in this particular case. So I'd like to ponder on those couple of issues, and then we're going to deal with them when we come back from our ad break, which is coming up right now. Know your rights. Know the law. The Law Report with Michael Matuening Bill. Welcome back, Afropolitans. This is Kasi Tolle sitting in for Michael Motoning Bill today. And of course, in a week like this, we could have had a lot of issues that we would have deliberated on. We saw the Constitutional Court deciding not to hear the DA's challenge of the Disaster Management Act in particular. We saw the High Court also declining the application by Musi Maimane to tell the government not to reopen the schools. And we also saw even today, the Supreme, well, this week, the Supreme Court of Appeal delivered a groundbreaking judgment and a groundbreaking element of that judgment um, between um, UNISA and Afroforum was not actually the judgment itself, but the fact that it was delivered in two languages. 
in English and Isikosa, which was a big step for the Supreme Court of Appeal. So we could have had a lot of legal matters to deliberate on, but again, the matter that is really uh, dominating the discourse is a matter that happened outside the courtroom, and this was, of course, the Chief Justice who participated in a conversation with the Chief Rabbi of South Africa, Dr. Warren Goldstein, and in the aftermath of that conversation, there was a lot of condemnation from the ANC in particular, and from also groups affiliated with the BDS movement, who said that the Chief Justice had gone too far because he ventured into political terrain. Now, of course, since the top of the hour, what we've been trying to grapple with is the question of whether the Chief Justice was wrong into going into political terrain or whether he was primarily wrong in dealing with perhaps the most delicate uh, human rights issue of modern times, which is really the question of Israel-Palestinian conflict. I, I must say, I'm still not sure where it is that my guests lie on this particular matter because we've got mixed views. But of course, we do have freedom under law being represented by CO Nicole Fritz, who also have Lawson Naidu from CASA and advocate Mark Oppenheimer, who is a practicing advocate at the Chinese Web Farm. And just before the break, we had from Mark Oppenheimer, who is still insisting that actually the Chief Justice was all within the code and perhaps the condemnation that has come out here is coming more from people who have ideological positions against Israel rather than people who are principally objecting to the Chief Justice getting into political terrain. Mr. Naidu, I said to you before the break, I'd like you to comment on whether you feel that Mark is really downplaying this type of issue. He did cite the fact that Kasak in particular wasn't as vocal in some of the various instances where the Chief Justice has actually gone into what you might think is political terrain. What's your response to that? Uh, thanks, uh, Kaya. Uh, well, a few points I want to make. Firstly, uh, you know, I think it's disingenuous of Mark to suggest that uh, issues around uh, around Black Lives Matter are controversial issues. Uh, perhaps they are for him, but I think for the vast majority of people, those are non-controversial issues. So to try and equate what the Chief Justice said about uh, the Palestinian conflict with Black Lives Matter, it doesn't take us anywhere. Uh, secondly, you know, he then engages in a, in a, in a whole range of uh, whataboutery. Uh, you know, regarding issues of land reform, transformation, uh, the need for inequality. Again, those, I think, are not uh, controversial issues. Uh, what may be controversial about them is the manner in which it's implemented. Now, if the Chief Justice has said that Section 25 of the Constitution needs to be amended in order to effect land reform, I think he would have been stretching the, uh, you know, crossing the boundary. But what he's talked about is the need for land reform. And again, I, you know, I don't think those are controversial issues, that there's a need for transformation is not controversial, that there's a need to deal with inequality in South Africa is not controversial. And uh, so I think the Chief Justice uh, is within his right to, to do that. Yes, there have been occasions in the past where the Chief Justice has uh, uh, crossed the line, and, and there has been disquiet about it, perhaps not to the same level that, uh, uh, as the uh, discourse is now. Uh, on this particular issue, but it's been building up over a period of time. So it's not the first time that people are beginning to to question uh, the manner in which the Chief Justice uh, behaves. Uh, and the, the issue that Mark hasn't answered is the issue uh, that I've uh, stated, is that uh, the, the, and the Judicial Code of Conduct is also clear on this, is uh, you know, not to uh, enter the political terrain, which the Chief Justice has clearly done in this matter. 
And, you know, he then introduces issues around BDF, uh, BDS. I'm, I'm, I'm not here uh, to defend uh, the boycott, dis- disinvestment, the sanctions campaign. And that's not an issue that's been raised in this context. But, uh, you know, the, the, the point I'm seeking to make is that the Chief Justice has entered into a terrain that is the exclusive domain of the executive in terms of determining South Africa's foreign policy. And as uh, at the head of another arm of the state, he needs to respect that position that government has taken. Whether we agree with it or not, it has to be res- it's a position that has to be respected. And as uh, the, uh, the Chief Justice, he should not be publicly commenting on those issues. Nicole, I mean, you've heard the sentiments of Mark and Lawson. What's your view on particularly Mark's, um, you know, insistence that we are just really uh, making a, a storm out of a small teacup in this case? So I disagreement with, with Mark. And I think one of the things that, that hasn't been mentioned and needs to be mentioned here is that, in fact, the, the um, sentiments articulated by Chief Justice McQuink are controversial. Um, international law specifically additional protocol to, to the Geneva Convention treats the, the conflict, the Israeli-Palestinian um, conflict uh, and the then existing sort of uh, conflict struggle for independence here in South Africa, uh, struggle against apartheid as, as equivalent. Uh, it makes it clear that the combatants uh, to those conflicts are not to be treated as, 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 as equivalent. And, and so the, the, the position that uh, you know, it's asked for the position that Chief Justice McQueen takes and asking for, you know, a more tempered, sympathetic approach to, to Israel is in fact um, not in alignment with, with international law and our requirements, the, our obligation to respect that, that international law. Um, the other, the other um, statement made by Mark that, that you know, to some extent there, there hasn't been disquiet or concern um, expressed at previous statements issued by Chief Justice McQueen. I think that's wrong. If you read uh, Lawson's piece, as you say, published in Business Day to, today, it makes clear that in fact this comes, um, you know, in, in a context in which there have been several pronouncements that have caused um, great disquiet. Uh, to, you know, and, and ultimately, I, I mean, I think that the answer to Mark is actually, um, you know, Whatever he, I mean, there were, there were obviously were several pronouncements that were made during the series of, of the webinar. He shouldn't have been participating in the webinar in the first place. Uh, the fact is, judges speak principally through their judgments. They have to articulate reasons, um, reason for for why they arrive at particular determinations. They don't get into the holy burly of public discourse, and and if they did, that would go impair and impede the integrity um, and respect that we have for the for the judiciary and and the, the consequence of the enormous um, role and responsibility that they carry is that they don't get to just shoot the breeze and sort of hang out on a webinar and participate on issues of the day. They can share their, their expertise when it comes to matters that have legal consequence that, that, that they have expertise in respect to the, of and those legal matters, the judiciary and, and the administration of justice. But they cannot just be participating in, in webinars and, and shooting the breeze, as it were.
Yeah. Mark, I mean, I think one of the key issues here is a lot of people have also been arguing, particularly people I've engaged with uh, from the political angle, they've been arguing that, you know, never mind the fact that the Chief Justice took part in a webinar, but it seems to exhibit a very limited understanding of what the issues are in relation to the Israel question in particular. Is that a valid assertion uh, from your view? Because I'm thinking, you know, when people say that, you know, you've got a limited understanding of those issues, it simply means that you've taken, it might mean that you've taken a view that you disagree with. But in your understanding of it, when you listen to that webinar, regardless of whether you feel he should have done it or not, did he come across as a person who at least had an intimate understanding of what the underlying issues were, then offering an opinion on them? Well, I think what we have, uh, so there's, there's two issues. The first is whether he was entitled to be on that webinar. Um, and I'm surprised by what Nicole says because, first of all, judges in South Africa have a history of speaking on public platforms. Uh, Dennis Davis, who's um, an incredibly well-known judge in the Western Cape High Court, um, had a TV show, Judge for Yourself, for many years. Uh, he speaks at the Grahamstown Festival every year at Thinkfest. Um, he expresses his views on all sorts of matters. Um, you know, and it's, it's quite important that um, the South African public is able to uh, engage with such a sophisticated mind as Judge Davis. Um, Edwin Cameron has uh, spoken at a number of book launches. The extract that I gave is from a book launch at, um, around... Um, the former chief rabbi, um, Rabbi Harris. Um, so we don't expect our judges to sort of say nothing. Um, you know, there's a history of them speaking out about a range of issues. Um, on the, and as I said, the code makes it clear that a judge may be involved in extrajudicial activities. Um, and we must, you know, there are some limits on what they can do. We know that they can't be part of uh, political parties or secret organizations. Um, Lawson again says they mustn't stray into the political arena. Um, you know, we must read the code as it stands, and it says become involved in any in political controversy. Um, now, you might think that you must, a judge must abide by the separation of powers, but, you know, in other words, if Bukhain started issuing policies on Israel and said, well, you know, as the Chief Justice, I say we're going to do X, Y, Z in our relationship with Israel, well, that would be, you know, straying into the field of the executive, but he hasn't done that. Well, all he has said is that I'm bound by the policy of the South African government, and, um, you know, it is a policy we should reflect on. That's it. Um, I don't see how that strays into any field. Now, again, it strikes me as very bizarre that Lawson doesn't think that the Black Lives Matter movement is controversial. In other words, we're talking about one of the most controversial issues in modern history. You know, um, the role of the police, um, the role of race in America, the role of racism, of inequality, um, of what to do with our history. There's a specific question there about um, dismantling of statues. You know, um, statues of the founding fathers have been taken down. This is a question that was put to the Chief Justice. This is a controversial issue. Um, now, I, I don't think it, it is prohibited um, because I think the code is talking about a certain kind of political controversy. And I think that the Chief Justice is free to speak about that and Lawson hasn't denied that he's free to speak about it. And I don't think you can sort of play this game where you say, well, all the things that I like that you've said. So I like what you've said about, um, you know, land reform or transformation. I'm not going to complain about that, even though I accept that there are going to be different views um, from people, and some will see it as a controversial question. I'm not going to say a word about that. But Israel, Israel, that's one of the things that I really have to, you know, make sure that you are silent on. Even when all you're saying is, let's be impartial about Israel. Um, you know, that in and of itself is so controversial, like, you know, let's hear both sides of this, or let's uh, pray for the, the peace of, of this, uh, you know, Jerusalem or of, of the country. That that's controversial strikes me as very odd. Um, you know, there's no side picking here. 
Um, you know, he didn't say, you know, if, if the BDS ever come before me in the courts, I'll ensure that they're destroyed. You know, he says, I'll refrain from talking about that topic. I'm only going to speak in abstract principles. So when we talk about the role of the judiciary, we must really, you know, as lawyers, um, look at what the legal regulations say, and it's pretty clearly spelled out in the code. What we may like them to do is a separate question. You know, someone may have a preference for judges to only express themselves in their judgments, but the code doesn't say that. The code gives them much more latitude. All right, Mark, uh, thank you for those insights. Um, Nicole, I'll come to you first. I mean, when we need to sort of then figure out what happens next. From my understanding, the Chief Justice hasn't um, responded publicly to any of the comments that have been made around his position and his participation in that conversation. Should we expect him to respond? And if we do expect him to respond, what exactly is it that we want him to say? I mean, he's already said these things. So even if he says right now, okay, fine, uh, you know, I no longer say what the way I said it, people will still always have these anxieties to say, but actually you believed in that, you once said it, so we still think that the tensions surrounding your ability to adjudicate fairly on matters that might come before the bench relating to these issues is going to be compromised. Is this really us saying that he's eternally condemned? No, I, I think you're right. So I think there's, there's a certain amount of damage that has been done that, you know, the genie's out of the bottle. It can't be um, taken, you know, forced back in. But I do think as the, you know, uh, the highest judge in the land, kind of the apex representative of our judiciary, a model for all other judges, he could say, I'm spoke, uh, I'm misjudged, um, I exercised my discretion badly there. I should not have participated. I should not have made those views known um, in, in, in the forum in which, which I did. I apologize to South Africans and I apologize to my fellow, my fellow judges for bringing uh, ignominy and you know, disrepute to, to the judiciary. And I shall be far more cautious going forward in terms in respect of high exercise my discretion to participate in these events. I just want to say, just to wrap up, Mark mischaracterizes uh, the comments that have been made. And it's very clear at the beginning that judges are to be encouraged to speak. They are to be encouraged to speak when they are making their legal acumen and expertise known. That is why they have been appointed. Um, they do speak principally through their judges, judgment, but when they are forwarding and advancing the study of law or our public understanding of legal matters, they should speak. But when they have no more expertise on any matter than you or me. As judges, because that role is so enormous in our society, in our constitutional democracy, and they don't just slip in and out of that role, they should choose to be quiet and may, they shouldn't be participating in these types of events where there is real risk of impeding the integrity and independence of the judiciary. Dawson, final words from you. What happens next? I mean, we've made a call. You've made a call for the Chief Justice to either retract or to really perhaps, you know, reconsider what he said. But so far, from what I know, there hasn't been a response from himself. And also, none of the other members of the judiciary, quite importantly, have said anything. So what happens if it just simply blue ticks society? Well, look, uh, Kaya, I think, uh, you know, the Chief Justice needs to respond to this, uh, you know, uh, in some way. He cannot ignore... Uh, the, the widespread concern that his comments have uh, have raised within uh, South African community. So he does need to speak. As I say, we have called upon him, as uh, Nicole has just expressed, to, to reconsider those comments that he made, to retract those comments, uh, and to apologize. 
uh, you know, to the judiciary uh, for the impact it's had on the integrity of the judiciary to South Africans at large, but also to the government of uh, South Africa because he's, as I say, he's trenched on their exclusive domain of, on, of foreign policy. And uh, as Kasek has said in its statement, it's something that would have caused embarrassment to our government. And therefore, I think it's incumbent on the Chief Justice uh, to, uh, uh, you know, to break his silence uh, and to confront the issues that uh, the nation is putting before him. All right, that was Lawson Naidu from CASAC, also joined in the conversation by Nicole Fritz, who is the CEO of Freedom Under Law, and also Advocate Mark Oppenheimer, who is from the Johannesburg Bomb. It is definitely a controversial question. We know what the Chief Justice has said in that particular webinar, and we also have seen the various parts of society condemning for what he said, but also parts of society saying, well, actually, he didn't do much wrong. And I think Mark Oppenheimer was very clear to us that, you know, the code of conduct of um, the Judicial um, Commission itself doesn't really say that this is not what a Chief Justice may do. Of course, we do know that the South African uh, government has taken a particular position on this matter, so it is not surprising that it really elicited the type of reactions that we've seen, not only from political parties, but from other parts of society. But I suppose that the crux of it all is really the question of where do we find the line between the judicial terrain and the political terrain. And based on the conversation we've had in the past hour, that line remains quite elusive for some of us. And I think going forward, we're going to be watching this story quite closely, Afropolitans. And on that note, thank you very much to my three guests who've been very wonderful in articulating their viewpoints. And also to you for listening in. This is us for standing in for Michael Morton and Bill. This was The Law Report. Have a wonderful evening. That was The Law Report with Michael Mitzwining Bill, Kaya FM 95.9.